I had several people talk to me about the game last night. Um, I had to work. I have several people there at Lowe's that are big Georgia fans. And um, to a man or a woman, there was some women as well, they uh, did not have to work. I did. And uh, the CEO of the company, Joe Strong, as he was going out the door, was really in a big hurry. He was rushing out the door. I guess it was around five minutes to four, but the game was supposed to start at four. So I imagine he was heading out. He had his Georgia shirt on and everything. I didn't say anything to him at all. But it's just interesting that while I was there, I couldn't watch the game, but every once in a while I could check on my phone and see what the score was, keep it running down. <laughs> But it's, 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 uh, it helped me realize that the game is not the most important thing in the world. Amen. It's, uh, <laughs> we have our favorites, but it really isn't. And, uh, the Lord is good to give us these distractions, these things uh, in our lives that we can enjoy. But the real important message is that God has sent His Son. And uh, He has paid for our sin our sins can be forgiven, and we can stand complete in Christ. I guess my prayer request, the biggest prayer request is, for me, is that I just ask the Lord to help me love Him, to really love Him, to really... We're looking at, uh, at Peace Class, which is really good, Pete, and I appreciate your study on that, Amen. as we're looking at it. It's uh, trying to digest the greatness of God's mercy and grace and love and it is so much that it is it almost leaves you numb, at least it does me, trying to fathom it and to grasp it. And yet it's true. And uh, that is so wonderful. It's so marvelous. And so we're just so blessed um, to have the Lord treat us like that. We are His elect children. That's the the topic of what we're looking at this morning, living as God's elect. Um, but Paul talks about the, the elect in Romans. He talks about who will bring a charge against God's elect. God is the one who justifies justifies us. Uh, Paul says he was busy doing a lot of things, and he terms it, says, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of the elect. And... Uh, so in, throughout Scripture, Ephesians, we were looking at Ephesians this morning. Paul opens Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him, in love by predestining us to the adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I know that's a lot, but it just it emphasizes the greatness of God's mercy and God's grace and God's election. And in that text there, see our text starts out, verse 12, so as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And this verse in Ephesians talks about that, that... Uh, that we would be holy and blameless and in love He predestined us. That God is that kind of God. He's that uh, active in our lives. 
Aren't you glad that He works and He works in our lives? He, his plan, we are in His plan. Uh, the Bible talks about the counsel of His good will involved in us where I get the picture. Now this is from my mental trying to digest the text, but I get the picture that the Trinity sort of sits down at a table for counsel regarding us and what He wants to do and He calls it his counsel, he calls it good pleasure. So that the, the things that he has planned are not just plans, but they are good plans. They are plans for our good. Um, and it's just, and when, when Almighty God has these kinds of plans for you, you know they're going to come to pass. You know that he's doing, doing good things. So we're looking at this passage, uh, living as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Uh, and I kept thinking about, you can take your Bibles and turn over to Second Peter, because there's a, a passage in there that I want to spend a little time on, where Peter has been dealing, I guess, a, <clears throat> I've always been, uh, not always, but kind of amazed at how much knowledge and stress Peter has in his understanding of God's sovereignty. We think of it usually as Paul being the intellectual giant, but Peter talks about God's sovereignty in his first Peter, in his first book, first epistle, uh, he opens up Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens um, or exiles scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. <clears throat> and then he describes us as those who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and by the sanctifying work of the Spirit Sanctifying is the work that uh, he does to separate us uh, into himself, to separate us from our sin, to make us holy, to make us acceptable. And uh, so he is working in our lives. And Peter talks about that. He talks about the fact that we are chosen. In his second epistle is where I want to dwell for a minute. So take your Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And let's just read through this verse. We'll read down through verse 13. I mean verse 11. <clears throat> And this verse kind of gives us a, a progression, if you will, of those that are chosen uh, in our Christian life and in our ministry and how we, can, how we can progress and how we can make advancement and how our lives can be productive for Christ and for His glory. Peter starts out, um, he opens, um, talking about the same kind of faith. He says, seeing that... Uh, our God's divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence of virtue. So here is the call. Here is God's calling of us, calling us to Himself. And he, Peter tells us that there is a provision that, of God's divine power and uh, that He has undertaken to provide for us um, because, and that for those of us that he is called by his glory, by his excellence. When, when he uses a phrase like that, and the word excellence we will be looking at a little bit further on, but it's just the greatness of his moral purpose, the greatness of Christ, the greatness of his character, the greatness of his person. He is the one, that great 
Savior, that majestic Savior, that honorable incarnate one is the one who has called us. And he has called us by his own righteousness, his own glory, his own splendor. Just that alone is is uh, staggering to think about, that we have been called by the majestic Savior, the majestic Lord, the one who is... is uh, has a, that his own person is a display of God's glory and God's excellence. And he has called us uh, for life and godliness. Um, that's, that's the way he terms it, that he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge, through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own grace and his own excellence and mercy. And then by these, these things that he's talking about here, he's granted to us Precious and magnificent promises. Granted means that these are not things that we have to earn, but they are things that he has graciously given to us. And he calls them promises, but not just promises, but precious promises. And not even just precious promises, but magnificent promises. The, um, I think it was John MacArthur, and I agree with him, wholeheartedly said that the greatest thing we possess is God's Word insofar as a tangible reality because we can know our God through it we can know ourselves through it we can know something of God's purpose and God's plan and God's intention by looking at it and studying it I um, when I have my quiet time in the morning I look for those things and I, I try to ask the question <clears throat> when I'm reading the text how can I apply this to my life what can I do to be obedient because this this book is the power of God it's the the communication of God's revelation the communication of Almighty God to us in in written form and God has given it to us that uh, that we can read it, we can study it. Paul told, told Timothy that Scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, proof, correction. It's, it's, it's product, productive in our lives. And so we need to read it. We need to study it. And shame on you if you're not because you, God has given to us and this book has come at such a cost. Many people have suffered to preserve it. There is a, We went down to Florida to the Scriptorum and there is one of the old Bibles down there in one of the windows of the Bible that's stained with some, looks like somebody spilled some ink on it. But it's not ink, it's blood. Uh, where some saints had protected the Bible, tried to hide it from those that wanted to destroy it, and they got, their, their blood was spilt on the Bible. I don't know the end result, but there it is. It's a living testimony. And uh, because the book is precious, it's very valuable, and it, it really needs to be studied. Paul says here that God has given us these precious and magnificent promises so that by them, that is these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Here is what we want. We want to have the nature of God, the life of God, the energy of God. We want to be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So here we are. Um... I know you struggle with it. I do. I start, I struggle with lust every single day. And I'm sure you do too in some form or another. 
and yet uh, there is a sense that we belong to the Savior, that he has given us victory because if we don't have to struggle with these things. He gives us victory over these things. And uh, I, I uh, many, many times I catch myself and, and, and ask the Lord to help me to really be obedient to him, to surrender to him, to walk um, in a way that is pleasing to him, that demonstrates his mercy, his grace, and his love for me. Because he does love me. He does care for me. And his plans for me are better than my plans for myself. And so I want to be pleasing to him. So he's given us these promises, um, and by them we can become partakers of his nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, because of this, because of what he's invested in us and to us, and wants to do in our life, um, he's also applying all diligence to your faith to supply. And I want to just um, mention something here that has kind of stood out to me when I studied this passage years ago. When he talks about supplying these things to your faith, we know that our salvation is the work of God to us and in us and through us. But we also know that he wants us to cooperate with him. We need to cooperate with him. This idea of supplying things to our faith, <clears throat> the way it's worded, as I remember, is that we are told to supply what cannot be supplied or to add what we cannot really add or to to seek to contribute what we really are not able to successfully contribute by ourselves. But we are seek to be, we are to seek to be involved in these things. And so he tells us there, <clears throat> this very reason applying diligence, add to your faith, super add to your faith, uh, supply moral excellence. That moral excellence, you could translate courage or fortitude or strength from the Holy Spirit. So add some, he's talking now what we can do. Add to your faith this fortitude, this moral, this holy, the, the, the direction of the Holy Spirit to produce courage and strength in your life. Add that to your faith and to your moral excellence also add knowledge. <clears throat> and that would be knowledge of God as well as knowledge of God's Word as well as an understanding of sin. Where do we get those things? Dory asked a question this morning about uh, Jesus. If he were here, why, why couldn't we, he just come? She used the term pop in, but so that he would appear here to us and we could communicate, we could ask questions to him. But if, if, if he was here, he wouldn't be in California, he wouldn't be in China, he wouldn't be in Africa or any other place. He'd be limited to being just one place. But his word and his spirit can be everywhere and be communicating and effectively working in our hearts and lives. And so um, that's kind of, I think, the prophet here. We have God's Word, and we can add things and gain knowledge. That's what we're looking at, have this knowledge of God, knowledge from the Word. And we can do it every day. And remember this. This is pretty important. The place that God has instituted to teach his word is the church. And so you need to be in church. That's where you encourage each other. That's where you grow. That's where you learn the truth of God's word. Not television. Amen. 
but God's Word and the church. And so he says, gain these things, add these things, moral excellence, add knowledge, and to knowledge is self-control. I think it was MacArthur who said the use of one of the definitions as one who masters his desires and passions, especially in sensual appetites. I was looking at sensual appetites and I said, boy, this, this, uh, our culture is rampant in sensual things and uh, they're just really everywhere and self-control is that quality that we can seek to control that and to keep it under control uh, sort of part of disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness um, <clears throat> and then he says to your self-control add perseverance or endurance so that you don't quit and get tired because it's easy to get tired it's easy to quit it's easy to be discouraged sometimes, and and uh, we have things that we that bother us, and there are, we have concerns, and I know we have concerns. We have a lot of concerns about loved ones. We have concerns about finances. We have concerns about the government. Uh, we have concerns about the uh, getting moving or getting the house fixed up or getting health issues. We all have concerns like this. These are concerns that are real and stuff like that. <clears throat> and sometimes we can be uh, discouraged and so one of the things we need to do is to focus on the Lord we we're talking about anxiety this morning uh, Pete was talking about it and uh, <clears throat> focus on the Lord and bring these things and keep these things before the Lord in prayer right that prayers are important uh, so then we have this he said um, self-control and then uh, he adds to that perseverance and adds to that godliness which is that's a little bit of a different word. It has to do with worshiping rightly, uh, paying reverence with your life to holy things and sacred things. Maybe that's not the best definition, but that's what it seems to come out as I'm looking at it. And then brotherly godliness, we add brotherly kindness. <clears throat> uh, brotherly kindness is love for the brothers that... Uh, it does not have to win all the arguments. It's a kind and giving and understanding love for the brothers. Um, and then the last thing he says, add love. A self-sacrifice, that's agape. Add love. Love for the brothers. Love for their welfare. A love that you want to con you're concerned for them and want to help them and want to... to uh, you're encouraging them and want to see them prosper and that you're concerned for them and that you pray for them. Wow, that is so, so important. And I find so often that I, I don't really pray as I should for people. And, uh, you know, we talk about things. We talk about praying for people. But sometimes uh, it's easy to say, but we forget it. I remember one of my friends in Biltmore was he lived at the time when there was a, a Presbyterian minister in Weaverville named Dr. Dindy. He was very well known. Uh, <clears throat> I'd say in this area as well known as Billy Graham. He was really uh, almost a, a statue in the Presbyterian church. He was the one that helped start the PCA church and uh, the publishing. The, they had a Presbyterian to see as a Presbyterian journal that he published. We used to print it at Billmore Press. But one of my friends was saying about Dr. Dendy said one day he was standing in the line in the post office. Uh, and there was another man behind him, and then behind him came Dr. Dendy. And of course, wherever he went, people would 
recognize him and say, oh, Doctor, how you doing? They would start talking to him because he's well known. And uh, the friend behind uh, behind him said, uh, Doctor Indy, I wish you would pray for my father. He's he's not doing well. He's got this heart condition or whatever. And so Doctor Indy said, well, what's his name? And he said, well, his name is Robert Preston. He says, okay. So he took his hat off, put his hand on his shoulder, and he sat right there, and he prayed for him. Prayed for his health, his life, and everything like that. And when he finished, put his hat back on, and, the, man, and uh, the conversation was, the man said, well, I didn't mean to pray here. And he said, well, I sometimes forget to pray when I go out. So if you want me to pray, I'll pray right now. And then we'll, we'll remember it. And, but that's a good thing. It's easy to forget things like that. It's easy to follow that example and to do it, to pray right there when people ask you to pray. And so that's a good thing. <clears throat> love is a self-sacrificial love. So he's given us a list here in this thing of, of things that are adding faith moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Notice verse 8. This is the kind of the key verse here. He says, if these things are yours and increasing. Now, we've given a list of things that we can contribute, and yet we know that we can't successfully contribute them unless the Lord is active. But if the Lord is active, He is helping us to do that and helping them to increase so that we're not stagnant. The Christian life shouldn't be stagnant. So He says, if these things are yours and increasing, <clears throat> they, <clears throat> they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the full knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this list of things here that He's given us that you can come back and study later on in First on Second Peter, uh, chapter one of things that you need to add to your faith and work on in your faith so to help you not to be unfruitful uh, for in whom these things, if they're not present, listen, if these things are not present, if you're not working on these things in your life, you become blind and nearsighted and you begin to forget the purification of your sins. Now this is just so typical of people who supposed to be Christians, and what is it all of a sudden their affections are everywhere else except with the Lord and except with the Word, and they're interested in everything else. They are, they cannot see the greatness of God. They can only see the immediate bills, the immediate problem, the things that are happening now. They cannot see what's going on. They're blind, they're short-sighted, and they have forgotten the greatness of God's salvation. So this is important. These things are important to help us grow and to help us to be productive over long term to put into our lives. And so he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election or calling and choosing sure, for in doing these things you will never stumble. That's another negative. You will never stumble under any conditions, never stumble at any time. So this is a good promise. Put these things in your life, follow them in your life, let the Lord produce them, let them begin to increase, and you won't be stumbling. In this way, he says, verse 11, um, the endurance into the eternal kingdom, don't miss that, eternal kingdom. We are actively involved in promoting the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom is not going to pass away soon. It is an eternal kingdom. And we're involved in building that eternal kingdom, entering into it and building that kingdom. It's the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says here, it will be, again, just the superlatives, 
not just given to you, supplied to you abundantly. So that's a good good cause. Here then is this verse that talks about those who are elect and how we can be productive in that. It's not in our text, it's in Peter, but I thought we ought to look at that. And now the second part of our study uh, this morning is having to do not just with the position in Christ and how we can function, but also the practice. And he gives us here a list of things. Um, he says, put on the heart of compassion, back kindness. Colossians. Huh? Back in Colossians. Yes, back, I'm sorry. Back in Colossians. Um, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone else, anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. So he starts out by looking at this idea of heart of compassion. Heart is used in the Greek many times to, to speak of the bowels, the internal organs, and it's a way of talking about the deep uh, emotions, uh, the deep passions, and uh, the inward seat of emotions. And so he's talking about, uh, and compassion has to do with sympathy or pity. Uh, it's a heartfelt compassion is what he's saying. Put on that heartfelt compassion. And uh, don't notice now, don't overlook the word put on, because we've been talking about putting off and putting on. And now these verses are talking about how we put on this this lifestyle, Christ-like lifestyle, putting on the heart of compassion, the, the emotional compassion. Um, sometimes we can be sort of callous, and and, uh, and I include myself in that. that uh, I, I can I, I, every time I go to work, I pass these these intersections where they have these people down there, sitting without a work, and they. Veteran and, and they want God to bless me as I bless them and all this kind of stuff. And I'm usually kind of cold to those things. I, I know from talking to my friends that work at the mission that there's a whole system, of, a, a, a productive system that people do that and they that's just their way of, of getting money. But still, I, I want to pray for people. I want to be sensitive, sensitive to people and to have a heart of compassion. That's what he says, have a heart of compassion and to be concerned for people. And uh, I don't think that happens by accident. I think you kind of have to put yourself out and to, to reach toward people like that, to reach out, but to pray for people, but to follow that prayer up with, with inquiry and asking what needs to be done and how you can do it. Right. And it, it, takes, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. Uh, and that's an important thing that we ought to encourage each other and pray for each other. I know that some of you do that, and you are an encouragement to my heart when you do that. And uh, it's really, it's really, really important. I was thinking of um, Joe Kirkendall down there at the, the lodge. I've been planning to go see him. Of course, I know I have a lot of play, but I think it's important to do that, to go and visit and just see what's going on. I remember him out here when we had the yard sale. We talked with him quite a while. And he was really very uh, open, and we had a lot of not a good conversation. He needs uh, fellowship. He needs friends, and we all do. And uh, whether we are believers or not, people need that. I run into that, and I know you do too. Every time you go out, you run into people like that. We are we are God's witness. We are God's uh, message. God's sermon. God's hands. God's mouthpiece. God's uh, life. God's provision 
to those around us. We know the Lord. The world needs to know Him. And the way that they can know Him through us is for us to demonstrate His love and His con- concern for others. And so that's important. So you can pray about that. Pray that for me. Pray that I won't be so busy and preoccupied with little things. You know, I go back, when I go back uh, to work tomorrow, the big issue will be the game. I'm sure of that. They'll be talking about that. That's, that'll be on the forefront. But, uh, you know, sometimes we can talk about things that are really important, that are even more important than the game, and hearts and lives being touched by the gospel is one of those things. And so it's, it's really important. I will stop there because I'm going to run out of time. But that's the first thing, that heart of compassion, that's in, that's in Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at kindness and humility and some of the rest of those things. You can be looking at those verses so that when we come together next time, maybe you have some things to add to it. Let's, let's close in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, uh, I do thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for your patience. We were looking at Peter's message and the things that we can add to our faith, super add to our faith, things that we really can't add unless you work them in, but we're told to add those things to our faith. If we do, then we will not be useless or unfruitful. If we don't, then we'll become short-sighted and forgetful. Uh, Our Christian life will become stale. Uh, The scriptures are filled with the danger of just being worldly-minded. Be not saved, God is not mocked, whatever man sows that, and that alone he shall always also reap. Uh, if you sow to the flesh, then you'll reap death. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life. Uh, we know that. We know that Christ came as light into the world. Men love darkness rather than light. And uh, we know that you told us to love not the world, but the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in him. These are all indications in the scriptures that, and I, I study those because they speak to me and step on my toes, but we are in a situation where we need to really put you first. And so I'm asking, Lord, here this morning, that you will help me to know you better and to love you more and to really have a heart, really have a heart for you uh, and that, uh, that, it will, that I will be fruitful for your kingdom and for your glory, and that the fruit will remain. That was what the, the parable of the sower said. And so I just pray that that would be the case. And I pray that for all of us. Pray for the church. It's your family. We're your body. And uh, you're working in our hearts and lives and our midst. Help us to be faithful and help us to be sensitive and uh, be. Uh, you would make us uh, the kinds of people that we really seek to obey you and and follow you. Help us to be in the Word every day and help us to be praying for those around us that really need prayer. We, we have a prayer list. We pray for people that are sick. The big thing we need to pray for is people's soul and their salvation. So help us to be faithful in these things. And uh, I thank you, Lord, for this time. I thank you for the patience of these people. They put up with a lot with me. I'm very thankful to you for your goodness for your mercy, for your grace. Uh, this this um, adventure, maybe, that we're on right now will never end. It is an eternal investment into an eternal kingdom of your, for your kingdom, for your son, for your glory. And I know one day uh, we will be called upon to give witness and testimony in heaven of the greatness of our God and of our Savior. That will be a privilege 
of magnanimous proportions. Help us to be ready for those times, I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. If there are those here this morning, Father, who are, don't have a purpose for living, they don't know you, they don't have that joy and that heart, I pray that you'll help them to get along with you, with your word, read the Gospel of John, ask you to, to open their hearts and help them to surrender their lives to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to come and talk to us here at the service. We would like to very much just open the word to people. Uh, and help us to do it not just here at church, but also at work, where we are. I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.